What is up, everybody? We are back. We are back. This is the Ask LFC podcast. This is week 27. That sound that you hear right now is the sound of Pastor the mic sitting in the chair putting Lysol on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Harrison, and hello, friends. It's good to be back on the Ask LFC podcast. We are back in it. Guess who's back? Back again. Mike is back. It's good. It's good being back here here with you, man. We've done almost all these um, almost all these twenty seven episodes have been you and I sitting here at the desk. And uh, so we uh, first before we get to some other stuff, Mike. What is this? What is the uh, the thirty second headline of what the majority of this episode is going to be about? This episode, the primary content. I'm going to share the origin stories of why God has put a unique passion in me for racial reconciliation, equity, and justice. Um, I mentioned that in my sermon Sunday, that um, that is a unique heart of mine since I was a teenager. It's not something recent uh, or recently political. And a number of people have asked that, that I'd like to hear that. So that's where we're going to go. But first, we're going to kind of update you guys on, uh, it's been a while since it's just been Harrison and I on the podcast. We're going to talk about what's the state of ministry going on at Lake Forest Huntersville. We're into the fall now. Things are beginning. Uh, and we're going to outline for you where we're headed with sermon series through the end of the year. We thought that many of you are, are key leaders and influencers at Lake Forest Huntersville, and just be good for you to have your head in that game and maybe even pray ahead. Awesome. Yeah, so to that point, um, most of you at this point, I'm sure if you have students and kids are aware of this, but just uh, a quick headline would be, uh, we are back in action with Remix. We'll start there first of all. Remix is uh, hanging out on Sunday nights in the box. They're, they're, They're doing all that they can to create as many safe opportunities for um, middle school and high school students to meet together, which is awesome. And we know Mike and that team are always kicking it. They're doing a great job, and uh, they're actually worried about uh, more kids wanting to come than they can create capacity for. Uh, But one of the things I appreciate the most, they've innovated, Cammie and Mike and Kip and Sierra and the the leaders, they've innovated – um, in order to have more space, they're now having remixed three times on a Sunday night. That's right. They've started a brand new just sixth grade only because we have a large sixth grade class. Uh, and so they're breaking them out and doing them first. Then they have um, the rest of middle school and then they have a high schooler remix. I just, I love that. I didn't tell them to do that. They innovated because they want to serve people and families as best they can. Which, as a side note, one more shout out. And we've talked to him on here before, but. There is a concrete reason why our sixth grade class coming into Remix is always solid and huge and astounding, and that has so much to do with uh, the work of one of our elders, Daryl Leip, and the team that he's put together. Man, he yeah. he he just is killing it with fourth and fifth graders in the program that he has set up with them. It's That's just, right. Our foundations class every spring, and if you have a fifth grader in particular, look for that this spring. Your child will be able to go through foundations, and, and we build a, in particular, under Daryl and Kelly's leadership, build a group identity. Hey, I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, the spring and summer as they are heading into middle school. It's a really powerful thing. My, what? My, oh, I was just going to tell you, my son Ben is in fourth grade, and tonight 
uh, he has his first uh, Club 45 meeting with Daryl as his leader. Oh, so he's great. It's awesome, man. There's, I don't know, somewhere 60 to 70 fourth and fifth graders in club, I think it's 54. 54, sorry. Club 54 who are. I'm a newbie. Committed into online small group hangouts and small groups with leaders, which is super. What is the shape of the children's ministry, which they started this past Sunday? Yeah, they gave us a little update uh, uh, just a couple days ago in our Huntersville staff meeting and. Uh, kids ministry is up and running. Um, they have, they have space for kids. They got leaders lined up. They have, they have worked out any of the bugs and it is ready for, uh, it's ready for kids to come and jump in. It's at 1130 on Sundays. I think it's every other Sunday or does it alternate by age group? I think it alternates by age group, but if you want more smart information on that, just email Kelly or look on the website. But the point is, uh, up and running, a great place for kids right now who um, are are not getting a lot of other kid interaction. Yeah, if they need interaction, they need interaction with another mentoring-oriented mm-hmm. adult who's a Christian, and it's around biblical content. It's not our normal, hey, cram a whole bunch of elementary schoolers in one room and do kids' worship. It's segmented out in according to limited number of each age group. Yep, and there being extra... Um, they're uh, again for both remix and children's ministry. They're they're they have thought so long and hard about how to do this in a way that's going to be comfortable for kids and for parents. So that that is what's happening uh, outside of of the worship center, among a couple other things. There's yeah, there's most men's of our, and ministry things mm-hmm. that are up and running. Too. Most of our community groups are con- mm-hmm. to meeting. Mine is meeting generally outside mm-hmm. in a backyard of our leader. Others are meeting Zoom. Others uh, are doing the same thing. We are uh, Oasis Women's Ministry. I think uh, has is about to or just kicked off six new groups. And it was interesting. They you could sign up for the group by uh, the topic <laughs> or content, but also by whether you wanted to meet in person mm-hmm. on campus here or not. You know, in a limited number of people for the right size of the room. Sure. And so two of the groups are meeting in person. And the others will be online uh, oasis groups with great biblical content. I'm uh, I'm really thrilled about that connectivity going on. Yeah, and it's been so cool over the summer and heading into the fall with with our team here at Lake Forest Huntersville because we kind of all we kind of all looked at each other. Mike, you helped lead the charge on this, where we realized we were all kind of waiting for things to go back to normal. And just like we've talked about over this last month on Sunday mornings we're in it. Like yeah. we got to keep, we got to keep living and we got to keep doing stuff. So we're not, we're not sitting around waiting. And I hope you guys aren't as well to find ways yeah. to get plugged in and connected and say, well, when things go back to normal, cause we're, this is it for a while. It is. And we challenged one another to plan ministry this entire rest of this year as though it's, it's the same as it is right now. And that was very freeing for us actually. And for our staff and to do our work and, I don't know how that may translate to our friends uh, in your work, in your family, but particularly in your faith life, don't wait. It's uh, the priority of orienting our lives around God and God's Word and time with Him and God's people uh, cannot stand still in a pandemic or your spiritual life will wither. Yep. So here's a couple quick hits about uh, moving moving over to Sunday mornings, what's happening here 
uh, in the worship center. So we're we're taking a couple of weeks here, just a, a little a little mini teaching series. Uh, we're calling it Unity Over Division. And there's a, a section in the book of Romans where uh, there's some direction given to, hey, how do we all get along? <laughs> the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans are theology. It's St. Paul's magnum opus description of the gospel, starting with creation and the fall of humankind, and what does that do to our relationship with God, and then how has God repaired that through revealing himself to the people of God, and then through Jesus. It's great. But chapter 12 makes a turn to how do we live this out in light of our life being changed by the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. How now shall we live? And uh, I was reading a, a biblical theologian yesterday who summarizes the rest of Romans as playing out the law of love laid down by Jesus. And Paul quotes that in chapter 12 and then plays it out. So these next two weeks, we're what I sense is a real threat, duh, to our country, but specifically to the church and our church, is that we would allow the polarization in our country around politics and social issues to lead to disharmony and division in our church. And so we're going to look at what Paul has this Sunday. I'm really Romans 14. Paul says, hey, church, let's talk about, quote, disputable matters. When you have very strong opinions that about non-essential theological issues, very strong, and, and he doesn't say don't hold strong opinions, but he says how do you live in harmony in the church as a result of that. So that's this Sunday, and then the next Sunday we'll back up to Romans 12, which is more about how do we relate to each other in the law of love to stay unified as a church. So I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. It's going to be awesome. We were going to call it faith and politics, but it's it's really more about mm-hmm. unity in the church. But I'm I'm not going to be shy to say, here's the political environment we're in and apply it to that. Sure. Yeah, because the, the principles obviously are, are more universal and way bigger than this moment. Because and, and Harrison, I th- you and others said, let's not wait until the two weeks before the election to, to address sort of faith and politics. And so we chose to do it here at the end of September. Awesome. Uh, coming up after that, we're taking about a month in October, and we're we're just uh, as as we saw the need for here on the podcast a couple weeks ago with with Nora. Uh, this has obviously been a time for a lot of people. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty when it comes to our finances. People are losing work. Jobs are changing. People are working from home with kids in school. There's just a lot of uncertainty right now. So so we wanted to. To take a month and talk about uh, the way we live with our money, really, really, more than anything, just trying to figure out how can we, how can we, how can we handle finances in a in a biblical, godly way, and in a way that's also going to lead us to contentment and not stress and worry and anxiety. Money is a lot of our anxiety uh, today, and so it's a good time. It's been a while since we've just done. Uh, nitty-gritty practical. Here's what God's Word says is is uh, the wise way to handle all the money that comes through your hands and to set you up for a peaceful life, harmonious at home over money, uh, and that you feel significance. Um, 
as a result of how you handle it, and you're not worried about the future. So, yes, I'm looking forward to us being very practical. In the middle of that series, a little bit of a tangent, we're, we're going to have a guest from our partner church in Egypt. This is a new partnership. We're excited to tell everyone about it um, on Sunday morning. Uh, it's a partnership for the spread of the gospel in, uh, in a Muslim-majority country that we're privileged to be a part of, and everyone who gives at Lake Forest is now a part of gospel proclamation in the nation of Tunisia, and we're doing that in partnership with a church in Egypt, and we'll have a guest from one of their pastors in the middle of that series in October. It's been fun having some <clears throat> some guests uh, from some different backgrounds have been yeah. joining us even over this last stretch here, so that, that'll yeah. be really neat. Uh, the, the next series then uh, is November, basically the month of November, yep. and we're going to sort of uh, do, we won't be talking exactly about faith and politics, we're going to go parallel. And we're calling the series, We the People, dot, 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 of God. Uh, in a time when who knows what's going to happen in the election, and uh, we want to refocus on who are we as the people, we, we the people of God. And that will be based in First Peter, when Peter is writing to Christians all around uh, the Roman Empire. They're scattered, uh, and they're wrestling with who they are on in a time of great distress and persecution. So I'm looking forward to, and I, yes, we're going to invite people to study through on their own First Peter during that series. And then uh, we're wrapping up the year, as we always do, um, walking through together the season of Advent. And uh, like all this stuff, we don't totally know what it's going to look like when we get there, but we have, <clears throat> we have some fun ideas that we're kicking around with, uh, some things that we can do during the month of December to uh, to make it feel like Christmas and have some fun together with our families around here. So as we get closer to that, we'll let you guys know. We'll have uh, Christmas Eve services, and again, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> We're sad to, to imagine that it probably won't be like normal when we jam uh, thousands of people into, uh, like, did we do five or six services last year six. in two days? Yeah. And Probably won't look like that, and I'm already pretty sad about that. But we're we're also energized by some ideas that that hopefully will serve everyone. So there you go. There's there is a Lake Forest fall snapshot for you guys, and and we are um, we're just thankful. Those of you guys who listen to this, as Mike said, are some of our leaders and first followers, and we're just uh, we're endlessly thankful as we talk about all this ministry that happens. Um, it happens because of you guys, our ministry partners, who are the lifeblood of all Who this are doing stuff. such great ministry. I met with, uh, I had two Zoom appointments with couples that I'm officiating their wedding in the next month last night. I did it back to back, finalizing, planning the ceremony, and both of them did their premarital counseling through uh, each of them a different marriage, premarriage mentoring couple here at Lake Forest. Hmm. Ministry partners who that's their ministry. Uh, and both of these couples were just ecstatic. Like, they would not have been more thrilled reporting back to me their premarital counseling from a, a paid count professional counselor than with these two couples. That's an example of the incredible ministry going on all throughout our church. I really like the uh, our women's ministry, and Cammie started a thing called, uh, is it Weekly Word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a different female ministry partner each week just sharing something God's been showing them or they've been learning 
uh, on Facebook. Jeff Cooks had a, a, a regular Facebook devotionals. It's just a lot of creative ministry going on in a lot of corners, nooks and crannies of Lake Forest, and we don't have time to share all of them, but yep. proud of all of you. Yeah. Well, let's let's turn the corner here and let's talk about um, what what happened on Sunday morning here just a couple days ago, and I, and I'll start with with I think one of my main takeaway reflections. Um, other than the fact that getting to do that song live with my friend Alex was a party, and I was jumping around on stage and having a good old time. That was for so real. It was fun, man. Rap and hip hop. That was fun. Uh, yeah, we were having a good time, y'all. That was really good. So, um, my main takeaway from the morning was was reflecting on one of the stories. Um, that Andrew Lovedale shared. If you didn't get a chance to, um, if you didn't get a chance to catch what happened here on Sunday, I would highly encourage you to either right after this or hit pause real quick and go scrub ahead toward where the the teaching was getting ready to happen on Sunday on our on our live stream or on Facebook and and catch Andrew's story. He's a, a ministry partner at Lake Forest Davidson, former Davidson basketball player, played with Steph. Curry and, and was sharing some of his experiences, uh, personal direct experiences of racism that he has encountered here and in Lake Norman. Here in Lake Norman, and and one of the stories um, that just has it, it's just been stuck with me for the last couple of days was this the last uh, little vignette that he shared about uh, his uh, he has a young child that he took to the grocery store and, and his daughter, uh, she looks m- more white than he does. And it's his son. It's his son. Excuse mm-hmm. me. He, sorry. And yeah. Andrews is a, a black man married to a white woman and yeah. their, their baby presents as very white looking. And at the, and his, the story was at the grocery store, there's a, a guy that just stopped and was staring at him. And the look being communicated was, did you steal that child? Is that child yours? And just, um, uh, man, that just this the that stuck with me. The kinds of things that before that story is a, just another little sliver of life that I've never had to think about when I take my you know blonde hair, blue eye little girl to Publix. Um, so just it's been resonating. I have a friend um here in the area who adopted a, a, a white friend who adopted a child of color and was accosted in a grocery store at this exit, exit 23. And someone said, why would you bring that inward uh, into your family? Um, that's really direct stuff that that's right here and close to home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the sermon was on what does the Bible teach about justice? And obviously I, <laughs> uh, if I, unless I, I would have had to have had my head in the sand to not apply that to how we're grappling with racial inequities in our country. Um, I mentioned twice in the sermon that uh, the issue of racial reconciliation and inequity in our country has been a, a heartstring that God has given me from an early age. One of the reasons I mentioned that, the main reason I did mention it on Sunday, is that in today's uh, polarized America, um, 
people are politicizing almost everything. Where you eat fast food, you know, uh, etc. But it's it's a little, almost dangerous today to if you speak of racial inequity or injustice and that you care about that. Um, it's it can be taken as well. You must be an extreme political liberal in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd heard that from a couple of people, and uh, and so I wanted to throw in. This is not a a, a trend thing <laughs> for me or for our church. If you've been around for very long, yep. um, and our original core values in 1998 when we launched the church, one of our core values we wrote out was that we would be a church that cared about and acted toward racial reconciliation. Um, we didn't act enough on that in our early years. We were too busy trying to survive, and, and in some ways it, it um, we were tempted to become a non-missional church early on because a church plant just wants to survive. But that's always been embedded in our heartstrings, and, and frankly, that's me personally. So several people have asked, uh, either me directly or members of our staff. I'd be interested to hear how that started for Mike. And so uh, for most of the rest of our time, I'd love to just share that, um, to, yeah. if I may. Let's get into it. I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. I attended public high school, one of the grand old North Carolina public high schools, Greensboro Grimsley High. Uh, its cro- closest approximate in Charlotte would be Myers Park, a grand old high school. Uh, in fact, uh, I was in the uh, track state championships uh, at Myers Park Stadium. And when I went back there uh, for my boys playing football there, they haven't changed the bleachers or anything. It is old school, that stadium. Just like the one at my high school, Grimsley, they were both built in the 20s and 30s, um, uh, 19, 20s and 30s. So um, it was a diverse public high school Really great tracks for uh, college-bound or AP-oriented kids. Really good vocational tracks. The kind of high school that I'm really pulling for Hopewell to be. Mm-hmm. It, it was heading that direction when my sons were there. It's had some challenges, but the new principal, who is a follower of Christ, has a heart for Hopewell to be that. Uh, you have a boy there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're doing a good job right now. So... I ran track. I got involved in athletics, and uh, on the track team uh, was you know white and black. <coughs> Excuse me, as well as um, cross country, and I just noticed my either my parents or me taking friends home, giving friends rides home from practice. Every time I took one of my black friends home, or my parents did. They lived in a neighborhood that was visibly poorer to me. Again, this is not to overgeneralize. <laughs> every uh, every black friend of mine in, in high school was not impoverished, and many of them came from solid middle-class homes. But I just I noticed this. It was a visceral thing, Harrison. And um, I just, as a 16, 17-year-old, I just remember a profound sadness coming over me, a, a general recognition. I had no political awareness. My family was apolitical. We never talked about politics at home. I didn't know anything about all that. But this growing awareness that there is a vast difference in resources between white and black families in my town. 
uh, and that just made me sad. Uh, fast forward in college, I was part of a fraternity. I mention that every now and then. Just you know, I'm trying to be a pastor who, when he teaches the Bible, the new guy who came to church that day because he's just making his wife happy, but he doesn't care about it. Uh, hopefully would be like, well, you know, I don't know about the Jesus stuff, but I could probably have a beer with that guy because mm-hmm. uh, he sort of talks like normal people. And so I sometimes throw out my fraternity reference. I was in Kappa Alpha Order. You ever heard of that? Nope. Yep. Um, they wouldn't have had that at your Christian college no, not. that you went to. <laughs> Kappa Alpha is just a normal fraternity. When I was rushing, I, I, uh, I liked their parties and I liked the dance music they played. They played funk and new wave in the early 80s, and I, that was on for me. I also was a Christian, and I had a heart for people knowing Jesus, and I didn't see many Christians in the fraternity system, so I pledged for those two reasons. As I was pledging, I found out, oh, this is known as the Southern Fraternity. It was actually founded by Robert E. Lee, and the ideals were to be a Christian Southern gentleman and all that that means in a, you know, an older conventional sense. And it is, the content of that was all fine. But it turns out in the spring, if I pledge, they have a, a, a an annual ball like most fraternities or sororities do. And the way the Southern fraternity did it, and they became famous for this, or infamous even, the way they did it was the, all the underclassmen would rent Confederate uniforms, costumes. The, the seniors would rent Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders-looking plantation owner costumes and the day before the ball the southern ball is what we call it we would march all across our campus this is the college of william and mary in the early uh mid 1980s sorry we would march across campus in our confederate uniforms with a flag singing uh i wish i was in dixie uh and sweet home alabama but um we would get to a, a girl's dorm and go the guys would go in and get their dates so i would go in and get angie insinuous at the time she went with me to this my freshman well all of my years i guess um and bring her out and then we would serenade her with these songs about the old south and give her a certificate you're an official southern belle it was all good fun it was like halloween yeah. it was like college boy halloween like that was super cool i've got pictures of me and my roommates smoking cigars walking around campus doing this well, a couple of years into school, and my roommate in the fraternity, a guy named Eric, bright guy, he was always, uh, he, was the, he happened to be the president of our student body that year. He's gone on to be a school superintendent in Virginia. And uh, we still connect about leadership things, strategies and stuff. Um, the black student organization came to my roommate, Eric, and said, this is really hurtful to us. Hmm. We don't. We, you guys probably wouldn't have any idea. It makes our campus feel very unsafe because the Confederacy is a symbol to us of, uh, of oppressing black, the whole black race in America. And it just it's very hurtful. We don't feel safe on this campus. Is there, would you consider doing something about it? So Eric came back from that meeting and said, Mike, man, what should we do about this? You know, I mean, that's how they feel. Now, again, I was an apolitical person, complete, completely unformed political. I didn't know anything from anything. And my immediate response was, well, Jesus said, if, if, if you're offending someone and you become aware of that, you go to them and you make it right and you stop. And the a scripture I quoted Sunday goes all the way back to that day. 
this was my junior year in college. Uh, I just said, Jesus said, if somebody asks you, you do it. It's, as long as it's not sin. I did not respond with, well, it's our right to do the flag and whatever. That I just don't think that's the Jesus response. I don't think it's the conservative response either. It's not about our rights. Uh, it's about responsibility to others. So <laughs> here's what Eric and I did. We went to the next meeting of our fraternity brothers, and we made a motion. It was the first motion I've ever made. I started learning about that kind of thing. That the underclass, that we not wear the Confederate uniforms anymore, and then we start doing tuxedos. You would have thought, Harrison, that Eric and I were trying to ban beer <laughs> in the fraternity house. They went crazy. Yeah. They they went insane. And here's what's funny: I was only one of the I was one of the very small handful of actual Southerners in the fraternity. Most of William and Mary is people from Northern Virginia and the Northeast. And yeah. so it was me and like a few other guys with an actual Southern accent, which you're listening to me right now. Uh, so I thought I had a little bit of a strong standing there because of my heritage. So they, they voted us down. So Eric and I engaged in civil disobedience in our fraternity. We refused to rent the uniforms. We told the BSO what we were doing and why. And that we had asked, and we wanted them to uh, know that there is there are people listening. So <laughs> uh, there were Eric and I in our tuxedos, and all our other brothers in their southern, their Confederate uniforms. That was a little uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, sure. uh, we dealt with it. It was okay. Uh, the next year, we were seniors. The same, we made the same motion, they, they turned it down again, and we did the same thing. The next year after we graduated, um, all the younger fraternity brothers actually decided we're not wearing the Confederate uniforms on campus anymore. We have a right to do so, but it's unkind um, to... So this was the fraternity making this decision. This wasn't my Bible study group or anything. Sure. I did lead a Bible study in the fraternity all those years. Um, so that, that, was a, that was the first time it became a direct request to hear black Americans say that there are things that are offensive or hurtful. And that was my response in that day. It was knee-jerk. It was quick. I hope it was based out of scriptures. I'm not sure what other motive I would have had. Um, I don't hate my heritage. My people go way back. I, I got hillbillies, blood runs in these veins. <laughs> Um, way on back. So, um, yeah, that was another origin moment for me of, of why and, and that God, and I'll say, I think I may have alluded to this in the sermon, I've said it in others. God gives different ones of us passion about different issues. We, we don't all equally care about everything that God's Word cares about. And you need to follow that passion and own it and advocate in that area. And you, and you can't judge every other Christian if that's not their passion. You know, like, um, uh, so if it's immigrants' rights, if it's, uh, if it's being pro-life regarding uh, uh, preserving the unborn mm -hmm. against abortion, if it is uh, a heart uh, uh, to abolish the death penalty, I know a few people that that's their I mean, they're eating up. If it's a heart that we treat our creation better, if it's um, 
whatever that cause is that God especially... So I'm owning mine, and y'all are kind of stuck with me as your pastor. Because I've had a few people say, Harrison, like, Mike, we're getting a little tired of hearing about this. And, and I'm trying to balance that. I'm trying to own my own calling. I'm trying to own the, the immense suffering in our country and, uh, and doing things so that rage doesn't boil over in, uh, in impoverished and inequitable communities uh, because we do make progress. And, and there is tremendous progress being made, but it's not enough. So uh, how about one more? Can I, can I give one more? Please. Um, well, two more. The first one was brief. I came out of college and was on Young Life staff, and I, I was a youth minister at a couple of suburban high schools. But at that time, Greensboro Young Life was starting what we called Urban Young Life, and that was Young Life has reached uh, the Anglo culture kids really well, but it t- historically has not has needed to, to sort of have a different format to to reach African American high schoolers. And so we were trying to do that in Greensboro, and I really got to be great friends with the staff doing that and and just experienced really up close um, uh, uh, the culture at a couple of predominantly African-American high schools and what their issues were. And seeing it from their eyes through this fellow staff member who I respected immensely. The last thing I'll share is Angie and I went to, I went to graduate school in Pasadena, California, L.A., Angie and I got involved in leading, helping to lead a youth group in South Central Los Angeles, which is very famous if you saw Boys in the Hood or, you know, where a lot of the original rap comes from. Um, uh, we led a youth group. We were co-leading a youth group with others. Uh, uh, another guy was leading it, and we were leaders in it. Excuse me. And the youth group was half African-American, half Latino hmm. in South Central Los Angeles. It was based out of a church there. Uh, and Angie led a small group of girls. I did a lot of the upfront funny stuff and leading music and giving talks. And um, we just got to know a bunch of those kids there. And then the, the Rodney King beating video came out, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's ancient history to many of our younger members. Um, it, it was sort of a first on video, just outright abuse of a black man at the hands of, of L.A. police officers. Um, and then on the day that those officers were acquitted in court, South Central Los Angeles erupted in rage, in, uh, uh, you know, impatience, in a sense of, even with the video, this was their sense. A black man doesn't get justice in our city. And it boiled over into immoral, illegal, rioting, destruction of property, and as our kids would later say, and I think this is what we're seeing today, they, everybody in, in their neighborhood, which they called the hood, uh, knows that basically the worst element in their neighborhood took the cover of protest and turned it into violence. Um, and, and basically the city burned and their neighborhood burned. And it was really ugly, terrible stuff happened. Even out in Pasadena, we saw fires out of our apartment windows. We were barricaded in for three days. As soon as the National Guard would allow us into South Central, me and the other leaders in our youth group, we got a couple of pickup trucks, and we went and picked up as many of our kids as we could from their homes. 
and we went around and we would pick one small business at a time that had been looted or damaged or even burned. And we would go in and with the permission of the business owner, can we help you clean up today? So that our kids could do something positive uh, as they were just in shock of their neighborhood burning down around them. Um, So my experiences have put me up close with uh, uh, African-Americans, particularly many of whom have been impoverished because their communities have suffered from historic uh, lack of access to resources, particularly prior to 1973, which we still live with the, that's not very long ago, when African-Americans couldn't go to the college of their choice, they couldn't buy a house in the neighborhood of their choice. Official federal and banking policy uh, actually unnaturally, that's not the right word, kept property values actually below market value in their communities, therefore an inability to build any kind of generational wealth. And by wealth, I don't mean getting rich. I mean just the ability to have enough to live on and and maybe pass a little down. So that's enough. I, I just wanted you to hear my experiences that I would say God has used to give me an inordinate heart. It's why my friend, out of my friendship with the local black pastor, Byron Davis, has come a church partnership. And in October, that's a thing, in October we're going to have a weekly shared Bible study with them on Zoom, including small group discussion broken up among our two congregations. Uh, weekly, co-taught by members of our church in Liberation on what does the Bible say about justice. Um, those are the origins for me and my personal experiences as a young man growing like wildfire spiritually, and God has given me a unique heart for reconciliation among races and justice. And I think there's a there's a key point in your first story that is super applicable, and I, I hope that people hear your heart in this and that part, which is that when we are when we are confronted with information or someone opens themselves up to say, hey, this is something that is making me uncomfortable or seems hurtful. There, there are really two, two ways that you can react to that. And the first one is, is the most human and natural most of the time, which is just to, to be uh, instantly defensive. And it's to it's to buckle down and, and that, I mean, that's, that's normal. (laughs) Like no one, no one wants to hear, Hey, you might be doing something that is hurting me intentionally or unintentionally, or you're, you're, you're doing something that, you know, every, everyone for the most part tries to, I think, do right by other people. And it's hard to hear sometimes that things that, that I'm doing, that I'm not I'm not intending to hurt someone with them, but it's being hurtful. It's really hard to to turn off our defensive. And not not just related to that. I mean, as a as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, when someone comes to you with 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 anything, when when my wife comes to me with something that I have definitely been screwing up, almost always even in, in here, even if I'm not saying it, my first thing is like, 
well, here's the 10 reasons why I did that. And there's <laughs> yeah. this, this and that. So, yeah. re, you know, reacting with, uh, reacting with a sense of openness and, and a, a listening ear. We talked about this on the podcast before, but just, I think that story that you told captures that really well. It's just, it's difficult, but it's, it's just the only first right step in, mm. in, in humanizing people and, and, and valuing, valuing who they are and their, their opinion and the way that they see the world. The literal lowest bar is just to listen and take them at face value for what they're saying for a minute. And I think it's interesting. We, uh, my experience is most white Americans, including white Christians, we tend to have a bit of that response when it comes to not... Very few of us are are being confronted by a personal friend saying, you did something racist to hurt me. Mm-hmm. We're being confronted by, are there societal-wide structures uh, and ways that we've gone about um, resource allocation, the, the execution of justice, et cetera, that are falling in an unjust way on particularly the black community. And I find myself, and I think most of us white Americans— we're barely aware that that's a system that has – I think that defensive reaction is a common one. That's helpful to hear you say it that way. And I, and I, I just want you to hear my heart as your pastor and friend that I, this is something I care about, not out of a prior political commitment. Uh, and, and my hope is that uh, in, this, in the way that both our state legislature and the U.S. Congress in the last couple of years each came together – in a bipartisan way for, uh, uh, I think in both cases, uh, uh, s- criminal sentencing reform. Like, this is not, justice for black Americans doesn't need to be a, 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 a partisan matter. There are aspects of it which can become that way. And <clears throat> for those who are maybe lean more progressive, I think it's important to reject the descent into 100% identity politics and ways of relating, um, for example. Uh, but I think for the most part, I, I'm going to continue to be an advocate. Let's depoliticize this, although it needs some political solutions. And um, so that's my heart. This is a, It's just a straight-up love-your-neighbor thing. <laughs> if this was the parable— th- and we're asking who's our neighbor. Uh, you know, the answer is super clear. And, and so we're, I, I appreciate, um, Mike, you sharing all of that. I'm sure folks will as well, just hearing where you're coming from on that. And I hope that as we, like you said, I hope is, which is why the next handful of weeks we're talking about what we're talking about. And through this fall, this is a, this is a time frame where it's, it feels like it's, it's tough to just, keep moving ahead as if yeah. everything is not just supercharged yeah. everywhere. And it's tiring, and no, it's not pleasant to talk about such things. And I wonder if in the early churches, uh, every time one of the churches got a letter from the Apostle Paul, I wonder if some of them were like, would you quit talking about the conflict between Gentiles and Jews in our churches? I mean, yes, Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians are having a hard time getting along, but can we talk about something else? Yeah. Except in every one of Paul's letters, yeah. like almost all of them. I, I should go back and check that, but I know the majority of them. 
basically, the reason the letter was written was, hey, Christ has, this is Colossians, Christ has broken down the barrier wall dividing the two people groups. Now let's live like it and be agents of reconciliation. And so it's it's sort of New Testament oriented to have to address the the elephant in the room and, and just not walk around it. Sure. So forgive me if it feels inordinately uh, much, uh, but the way that we'll now continue that forward in the fall is our shared Bible study with Liberation Church. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, if if you if you have any other if you have any other questions about any of this stuff or even anything that Mike is saying or follow follow through stuff from Sunday, um, our our email address that we check for this podcast is still always open. It's asklfc at lakeforest org. So you know, please don't be please don't be shy to interact with with any of it as we're, you know, figuring all this stuff out together. So. Yes. We welcome that. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Well, we are, um, we'll wrap it up there for the day. Um, we are really excited to share this fall with you and, and we're really glad to continue partnering with you guys as we walk through a pandemic, as we walk through a weird political season as we as we figure out new life together it is uh it's a joy to be able to do it with you guys it is and it's going to be a joy to hear that beautiful song you and the team have put together for sunday oh yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun all right guys we'll catch you uh we'll catch you next time we'll be back next week have a great rest of your week see you bye